Welcome back to the show. Well, the superhero movie may have encountered a new villain at the box office, genre fatigue. That much is clear after the Marvels misfired with $47 million in its opening weekend to land the worst debut in Marvel Comic Universe history. Now, since 2008's Iron Man, the Marvel machine has been one of the most unstoppable forces in box office history. Now, though, the aura of invincibility is showing signs of wear and tear. Here is a clip from the Marvel's trailer. She's targeting every planet we call home. I would never choose to bring anybody into this. You are not the only thing standing between this and the universe. Oh my god, we're a team. Higher. Further. Faster. Clearly not fast enough. The 33rd installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a sequel to the 2019 uh, Brie Larson-led Captain Marvel, managed less than a third of the $153 million, uh, its predecessor launched with before ultimately taking in $1.1 billion worldwide. So $47 million over the weekend. Many have said, as I said, a misfire. Joining me now to talk a little bit about what all this means is Rick Forchuk, TV Week Magazine columnist and CKNW contributor. Rick, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Jazz. So uh, I know you're an avid movie goer, a movie buff. What does this tell you? Well, I thought, I thought it told me something quite simple, and that was in your opening comments about uh, fatigue, just the superhero fatigue that we have. But exploring this one a little further, there may be more to it than that, Jazz. Hmm. Um, For example, uh, yes, it had a poor opening. But the flip side of that is it still led the box office by a long shot. So it was not a strong box office weekend. Secondly, and maybe the biggest issue here, is that because of the actor strike, which of course is over now, but because of the actor strike, none of the principals in this movie were able to make the talk show circuit and promote the film. And uh, we don't know how much difference that makes, but I suspect uh, it's worth a lot of money at the box office. Otherwise, they would not go on the road and promote these films. So no promotion, a weak weekend at the box office. And I think um, equal to this is the fact that um, the fatigue sets in because the movie itself doesn't really stand alone. And it's not just that you have to have seen 2019's Captain Marvel Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to make the switch, but there are at least three different Marvel TV series streaming on Disney+, Plus, all of which contributed to this film's storylines. And uh, if you have not seen Ms. Marvel, if you haven't seen uh, Secret Invasion with Samuel L. Jackson, uh, you are stuck because a number of characters and a number of set pieces from these TV series shows up in this movie. And although I'm a Marvel fan, uh, my my love for this is starting to fade because um, I just can't keep track of who all these people are. And I'm not certain where they're all going. Uh, WandaVision is the third series that plays a part in this one, in that characters from that series show up here in the Marvels. Now, WandaVision, it's been almost two years since it was on. And if you watched it when it was new and you haven't watched it since, how are you going to remember that this person over here in this new movie was that person over there in WandaVision? Pretty tough. 
So I think there are a lot of factors at play, but uh, I'm coming around to this. Uh, Yeah, fatigue. I think you're right, Jazz. (laughs) We're getting tired of this one. It's getting tired of it. It's hard to keep track of it, and there's too much of it all. Judging by your comments, it seems like the producers have been too focused on the super fan, the one who does follow that storyline or those storylines from whether it's the movies, whether it's the TV shows or the streaming services, rather than the casual fan who wants to be uh, entertained by a story, wants to see the special effects, but may, may not be watching WandaVision or the many other streaming services or shows that are on streaming services now, that you're not watching all of them. That's part of it. Yeah, that is definitely part of it. And that is part of it for me, too, because I do keep up with this stuff. But um, when you watch one of these streaming series, and if you binge watch them, and if you did it a year ago or two years ago, it's very difficult, as I said, to put all of those pieces together. Uh, Also, the challenge with this movie is that um, it got some bad press initially, just from the uh, preview audiences. And I kind of agree with that. For example, it doesn't seem to know what it really is. Uh, There are musical elements to it. There are elements here where this looks like a Hollywood musical. Characters break out in song. There is also a complete set piece with the introduction from the Broadway show Cats, and later the movie Cats. And Cats do play a part in this film, but uh, do they deserve like a four and a half or five minute piece where you hear that music, memories, and all the cat thing? I don't think so. And it really left me wondering what story was being told here. And yeah, I'm not a super Marvel fan, so I don't have all of the little uh, eccentricities that they carry with them. And that's a problem. I I talked with an associate about this movie who hadn't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. And he said, should I bother? He said, I'm still trying to figure out the last Spider-Man movie. And I said, well, you know, (laughs) yeah, you should, but but, uh, be prepared to be confused because I watched the last Spider-Man movie. I was confused here. That's challenging for sure, Jazz. Yeah, I always find, I always get my updates from my 14-year-old son who follows this stuff very intimately. And even in this movie, he never brought up brought it up with me once. Can we go to the movie theaters to watch it? And that probably says a lot about its uh, pre-publicity or lack of pre-publicity. Um, I'm very curious, with the actor's strike and the writer's strike, um, and some some of these movie releases now being pushed into the uh, into 2024. Um, I know it's Barbie has had lots of success. I saw Oppenheimer had a lot of success. But is the jury still out in regards to whether or not people are actually returning and going to the movie theaters in a meaningful way beyond you know a handful of um, of, of big hits? Yeah, that's and that's the concern for people in the theaters uh, and, and movie people in general. So, you know, back to something we've touched on before, and that's the situation around uh, different kinds of programming in theaters. Uh, The Eras Tour was Taylor Swift, for example, and the upcoming Beyonce uh, live action performance. These are different kinds of movies. They're not really movies. They are entertainment events that are being held in theaters. And I think that the theater change, the distributors, are really looking to try to find additional product rather than just a movie. Because just a movie, we're learning, has to be pretty spectacular in order to really do well at the box office now. Uh, Part of it is fragmentation of the marketplace. We have all of the streaming stuff that we can watch at home. Uh, There have been 
four movies in the last two weeks that were both in theaters and streaming at the same time. And as a result, that's going to hurt the box office, and it's going to make it more difficult for them to make money because we don't really know how many people watch those streamers. Netflix, for example, reports the number of streaming minutes. You know, there are 2.5 billion streaming minutes. Well, I don't know if that means a lot or a little or what it means. It's not like saying it led the box office with this many dollars. So it is a challenge, and I think it's uh, part of uh, this business, like a lot of them, in that it will have to adapt, it will have to make changes, it will try things that don't work, and it will try some things that really do work, and then we'll see more and more of them. I think because of uh, Taylor Swift's un- unbelievable success, we're going to see more of that kind of thing, for example, Jazz. Uh, and I think her total box office haul for, with her concert tour is well over $400 million, which is just uh, it's stra- staggering, really. Um, If it wasn't for these superhero movies, what would Hollywood have left to run in these theaters? I mean, the the big studios all are in love with these superhero movies because they – uh, they're simple. They they transcend nationality, language. Uh, they can sell in Africa to China to India uh, to Germany, and I understand that. Uh, and you can sell products with them. You can sell cups at McDonald's and all those types of things and toys. But if the superhero genre is cut back significantly, what does Hollywood have left in regards to its ability to, to sell the big film at the movie theater? Yeah, you're right about that. That's a really valid question. And when you look at the box office thus far this year, uh, eight of the top ten movies are sequels. Hmm. Uh, So that means that uh, there's nothing original. It's an idea that's been used. It's been proven to make money, so let's do it again. Uh, Oppenheimer was different because it turned out to be something we have not seen before, characters we haven't seen before, and a story that, even though has been around in some form, we didn't really get to see in this basis. Those things are hard to do. It's hard to find the base material, the source material. It's hard to get them written. It's hard to get them financed because we know if we throw out another superhero movie there, it'll get critically bummed, but uh, it's also going to make money. And, you know, going back to Marvel's, uh, yes, it didn't do as well as the previous ones, but it still put a lot of change in the till, and that's what it's all about. So it is a problem. If I were a theater owner, I'd be really concerned about what's coming down the pipe, because as you said, a lot of big, big movies have been put off. They've been put off in some cases for up to two years. So we'll have to wait and see where it goes. But it's a challenging business. It's a changing business. And uh, I still want to go to the theater and watch my movies, Jess. <laughs> the problem is I think we're in the minority. That's the only concern, Rick. But I get your point. <laughs> That's for sure. Rick, thank you so much. Thank you, Jazz. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we were speaking to Rick Forchuk um, uh, about the new movie, The Marvels, which came out on Friday. Um, but over the weekend, over the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, made 147, sorry, $47 million over the opening weekend. That uh, is about a third of what they did um, during the 2019 release of Captain Marvel, uh, where Brie Larson was starring in. Uh, so it's $47 million. That's viewed as a huge disappointment. Remember, when these uh, numbers do come out, half of the, the dollars are kept by the movie theaters and the other half by the studio. So it's not a huge uh, profit, and certainly uh, in this case, it, it would cost a lot more to make a movie like that than uh, the money they made this weekend. But uh, one of the things Rick said was um, the movie itself gets very complicated because the storylines can be very complicated and this the the movie isn't always made for the casual fan well 
One fan who I'd, I would probably describe as a super fan is our own uh, Stephen Chang, a producer of this show. He went to the Marvels on Friday. Uh, Stephen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So tell me, uh, what was the movie like, first of all? You went on Friday, right? I did, yeah. Well, yeah, I did go on Friday. I watched the movie on opening night. And, and? Uh, honestly, it it's 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 fine. It's just fine. And that's the problem with the, with the projects that Marvel has been releasing lately is that everything has just been fine there's nothing too engaging nothing too impactful um i think we got spoiled because they've been just pumping out content too much content in a year too much focus on quantity over quality uh so in this case the, the core question with tarik was uh, is hollywood's fascination with the superhero over and that i mean the marvel universe since 2008 right. to now they pumped i think the movies themselves have raised uh, just over $30 billion are made at the box office. So they've done well. They right? have. They're profitable. But is it finally, is it kicking in now where you just kind of get a little tired of these things and we're not going to see so many? Yeah, well, because I'm a massive superhero guy and I love superhero movies. But the thing about Marvel is that, um, like I said earlier, they focus so much on quantity. So they're just trying to release one project after another and they try to connect, they try, they try to connect everything um, with one TV show to one movie. And that's what it gets more confusing for the casual fan. But also for the super, for the super fan, I feel like uh, there's just not much effort put into making the storyline work. Like, if you show me the trailer of the Marvels, and I honestly wasn't interested in the Marvels. The only reason I wanted to watch this movie is because of the post-credit scene. <laughs> really? Me, I, I, honestly, Jazz, I spoiled it for myself because I wasn't even planning to watch the movie. Because that's the thing. Like, they're just not making it interesting. They're just releasing way too much every oh, single yeah. year. No, I, I, I am, my son, like I said, asks if, he, if we can go sometimes. I'm like, you know what? We're going to wait till it hits streaming because it's yeah. not just worth it. It's not worth the time for me personally to, to, to go all the time. And he gets into the minutiae of it. I can't handle it. And I just say, that's enough. <laughs> I just, let's just wait till it goes back on Disney+. Plus. Now, Tim, I was mentioning earlier, Tim French, our technical producer, uh, you haven't gone to a Marvel movie you were saying since 2019. That is correct. And I will tell you why it has been and what we've been talking about already. Marvel fatigue. I did a quick bit of number crunching for you. So yeah. in phase one of, of Marvel's uh, cinematic universe, they released six films over the course of four years from 2008 to 2012. Six okay. films, four years. Phase two of Marvel's uh, cinematic output was also six films, but in two years from 2013 to 2015. So same amount, half the time. Oh, wow. Phase three, and this was the last phase that I ended up watching, they put out 11 films in three years. Oh, wow. And so by the time I got to the very end of that um, run, which was uh, Avengers Endgame, I was just done. Done. I had seen, <laughs> I had seen all of them. I had enjoyed all of them. But after that, I just said, I'm out. I've seen enough. The plots are similar enough that I know what's going to happen in the next yeah. one. I just I had to put my foot down and say I've I've spent enough money on seeing these movies and I'm just I'm tired. Yeah, I mean they, they're well done. The special effects are amazing, and like I said, they transcend language and nationality, so they sell well globally. But Hollywood has got to get back to making something interesting, intriguing that actually speaks to adults sometimes once in a while. They rather do. Just blowing things up all the time, you know? I mean, I, and I, I don't mind superhero films, don't get me wrong, but I just get a little tired of them. Just that's all they ever are producing these days, right? Yeah. So, and that's the challenge. There's no, no one's going to look back at the era and think of The Godfather, some of these great movies made in the 70s, 80s, and 90s even. Like we're, we're, we, not that we don't, but it's just like such a focus on these big studios, on these big things, these big productions, and you get a little tired of it. Now – 